Hey, thanks for joining us here today at Victory Church, where we invite people to belong before they believe. If you want to know more about who we are and what we do, or if any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us in giving to this ministry, we invite you to do so by visiting our website at victory.church. Now, let's check out this week's message from our lead pastor, John Chesty. Victory Church, we start a brand new series and season this today and that I've been anticipating and preparing for and studying for for a very long time. This has been one that's been on my radar for a very long time and I'm really, really amped up about it. I've already got my first like five sermons pretty much done. So I'm, I'm excited about this and let me tell you kind of the flow of the next several weeks. If you're familiar with Victory Church, you've been to Victory Church, you know that we kind of launch every year the same way. We do prayer and fasting and we lead up to this thing called the State of the Church Address and then we do a, what we call the Heart for the House Offering. So today we're going to start the series available, okay, and then for the next few weeks I'll be preaching messages on this topic and then uh, we will lead into the new year. I mean, the new year. We're in the new year. We'll lead into the end of January. At the end, at the end of January, we will continue this this conversation. And then the first Sunday in February, uh, I will preach the State of the Church address. Now, if you don't know what the State of the Church address is, every year you hear the President of the United States get up and give the State of the Union address. Right? This is where we're at. This is what's going on. And I just want to lead with transparency. We do that at Victory Church. If you haven't been here in past years, we like to lead with transparency where, where we're at, what our finances look like, what kind of year we had. We get into the kind of the business side of the church, and then we lead into what we call the heart for the house. And that's simply an invitation. It's not, it's not a guilt trip. It's not an issue. It's, a, it's an invitation to be invested into this place right? So many of you tithe and give. Uh, the way I see the tithe and offering is the Lord's. I, I give to the Lord. It's, it's not something that, that I give. It's something that I bring back because the Bible says that it was his to begin with. And so every year we do something called the heart for the house offering where we say, I believe in this house. Tithing is I believe in the kingdom. I give into the kingdom of God. And then we do something called the heart for the house and many of the things that you see at our campuses, all the improvements we make and all the things that you see uh, in and around the campuses are made, are due in part to your generosity during the Heart for the House offering. And it's simply an invitation say, if you have a heart to give and, and you have a heart for this house and you don't invest in it, invest in it. It's no guilt trip. It's no, nothing like that. So we end with that. And that will be the first weekend in February. That's Super Bowl Sunday. Okay. So we'll do that on, 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 uh, on in Feb, the first weekend in February. And we're excited about that. But today I want to, I want to begin this series and, and, you know, um, you might have heard a preacher say, today's message is the most important sermon I've ever preached. And, and you know, I want to be careful how often I, I say that, but I, I genuinely believe that this series, this season that we're entering into called Available, might be one of the most important. I don't know if this is going to be the best, okay? But I think it might be one of the most important topics um, that I've ever preached on uh, because of the, the magnitude of what the kingdom of God is walking into, with the, the, the state of our nation, the state of our world, and what I believe is the beginning of the end, that the end times are upon us, that Jesus will come back soon. I believe that. And so how much more does the kingdom of God need his people to become available? Uh, Jesus says the harvest is plenty, but the workers are 
few. There's plenty of work to be done. I'm just having a hard time finding people to do the work for me. And so I want to enter in a season where we begin to talk about becoming available and what, what does that mean and, and what does that mean to be used by God and how do I get there? How do I get myself ready for that place? I, uh, I told this story, I think a few weeks ago, but at, at, the, at the university, at the King's University, our founder is Jack Hayford. And we were, we were interviewing his daughter uh, for something we were doing in chapel at the university. And we interviewed his daughter and we said, what do you think the world would have looked like today if Jack Hayford would have never, never existed, right? So if Jack Hayford would have never done what he did, and if you don't know who Jack Hayford is, you should Google him. If, if you have a little bit of gray hair, you know who Jack Hayford is, right? So um, I remember the very first time I was getting on a plane to fly to, to, to California to meet Pastor Jack Hayford and becoming the president of his university. And my dad, I, told, I didn't even really understand the gravity of what I was saying. And I was just talking to my dad one day and I was like, hey, I'm going to California to meet Jack Hayford. And my dad was like, <laughs> what? So, so anyways, we're talking to his sister, his, 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 uh, his daughter, and, and we asked her, what do you think the world would look like if Jack Hayford would have never existed? And her answer blew my mind. She said, nothing would change. She said, the world would look exactly the same. The same number of people would have given their life to Jesus. The same number of people would have had a call of God on their life, and they would have gone on to do great things for the kingdom of God. And we were like, why, how could you say that? And she said something that really radically changed the way I think, and it, and it was even really the birthing of this, this series that we're approaching into. She said, Jack just said yes. And if he wouldn't have said yes, God would have found somebody else. Because God knows the beginning from the end. He's the Alpha and Omega, and his will will take place on this earth. It just will. Uh, and so he had this approach and this, this say, I'm just going to say yes to whatever the Lord would ask me to do. And so I want to give you kind of the foundational verse that we'll kind of unpack throughout this entire series. And it's in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. It says, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And who's going to go? Who's going to go for us? And I said, and these next five words will summarize the entire series. Today, we're going to talk about the first three words. The first three words are, here I am. Here I am. Look at your neighbor and say, where are you at? And then the last two words are, send me. Here I am. Who's going to go for us and who will we send? And he it's almost as if Isaiah is waving his hands in the air and going, me, pick me, you know, I'm here. I, here I am, look at me, turn your attention to me. And then God, it's almost like God turned his gaze to Isaiah and then Isaiah was like, send me, I'll go. I don't even know where you're asking me to go yet, right? Isaiah was saying, yes, now what's the question? Now what's the question? So before we can ever, I want to unpack this because my, my, my first temptation was just to go straight into preaching a sermon on send me, send me, like I'm ready, send me. And I think if I were to sit all of you down one-on-one -on -one and, and say, hey, are you willing to be used by God? All of you would be like, yes, send me. But I think something way more dynamic happened before Isaiah said, send me, he said, here I am, here I am. And so today I want to talk to you on the subject of this is where I'm at. This is where I'm at. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Uh, for your presence today. We thank you for being with us. 
Like we do every week during this prayer, we open our hearts and our minds and we take away our preconceived ideas and notions and we say, here I am, Lord, speak to me. Here I am. Uh, Convict me, challenge me, encourage me. Do whatever you need to do to us in this moment as we dive into your word, which is truth. So we thank you, God, for your truth that steers us, that we don't read the Bible, the Bible reads us. And may your Bible read us right now in Jesus' name. Amen. So the angel of the Lord comes to Isaiah and says these words, who will go for us? Who will go for us? These five words are one Hebrew word. It's the Hebrew word yalach. And it means move, lead, proceed, and go. Who's going to move? Who's going to make a move? Who's going to be willing to to make this move? And there's a go. There there is a quote-unquote go for each one of us. I believe that. I believe that if you're still breathing, God's not done with you yet. And so if you're still breathing, God has a go for you. It, has, he has, it, may, be, it may happen in a cubicle at work tomorrow. It may happen on a platform. It may happen uh, meeting somebody in a grocery store. It may be launching a nonprofit. I don't know what your go is. Um, it may be going back to school. I don't, I don't know what your go is, but I do believe that we all have a go. And the ultimate response for us is yes. I am available. We'll talk about that next week. Send me. But today, I believe that the Lord wanted me to give a precursor to this idea of send me because before we can ever utter the word send me, we must be able to do an analysis and an assessment of where I'm at. This is where I'm at. And sometimes I wonder if God waits for, waits, waits to tell us our go because he's waiting for us to figure out where we're at. And maybe where we're at makes us ineligible for where we're supposed to go. And so God wants to deal with us first. He always wants to deal. I don't know what it is about God, but before he ever wants to do something to us in the natural, he always wants to do something inside of us first. Something that he wants to work out of us. And so this is what I want to talk about today. And, you know, I, I, I think... Um, how many of you are like me? I don't like to sit still. I'm always looking for an excuse to get in my car and go somewhere. I just don't, don't do, like if Michelle's cooking something and she's like, I'm out of sugar. I'm like, here I am, send me, you know, I, I, I'm your man. I'm going, I'm getting the car. I'll go wash my truck on the way. I'll, you know, I'm going to, I just like to get out. Like vacation, I have a really hard time just sitting. Let's go do an adventure. It usually gets me into trouble and I almost die and I, we almost drowned or something happens there's always something very dramatic that happens when I go on vacation because I just don't sit well. I always want to go. But if, now think about this, if Michelle was baking something and she said, I need some sugar, and my 13-year-old daughter said, here I am, send me. Uh, sit your butt down. You are not driving my car anywhere because she would need to assess where she's at. She's not ready to go. She's not ready to be sent yet. And sometimes I wonder if there's something that God wants to do in us. And many times we wait year after year after year after year after year, and we wait for God to say, send to us. And we beg God, what's my purpose? What's my goal? What, what do you want me to do on this earth? And God's like, I want to do something in your heart before you do something in this earth. And so before next week, we're going to have a great time. It's going to be like, yeah, send me. It's going to be awesome. But today we're going to examine ourselves and say, God, is there something that's in me that you want to do in me before you do something through me, okay? So three questions, this will be simple, three questions that we must ask ourselves as we start 2021, okay? Three questions. The first question we're gonna ask ourselves is, where am I? 
Where am I? Ask your, look at your neighbor again and say, where are you at? Do it judgmentally. Say, where are you at? I heard that accent, that, that more of inflection there. That was good. What I want to point out is this is not a geographical question. I'm not asking you if you're at the Edmond campus. I'm not asking you if you're in your living room. I'm not asking you if you're at the OKC campus. I'm not asking you if you're watching me while you're in the bathroom. Stop it. It's awkward. Somebody's like, oh, is he, they got cameras in here? Like, what's, what's going on? I'm not saying geographically where are you at. I'm saying what is the condition of your heart? Where are you at? Where are you at? What are you struggling with? What are you fighting over? What are you tormented with? What are you mad about? Where are you at? And I love this phrase, here I am, because this idea of send me, the actual quote of it, I, I looked through many, many scriptures. This is one of the only times that somebody literally utters the word send me. But it's not the only time that somebody said, here I am. Many, many, many people in the Bible said, here I am. Abraham said, here I am twice in the book of Genesis chapter 22. And Jacob said it twice. Jacob uttered the words, here I am in Genesis 31 and Genesis 46. Remember Moses at the burning bush? He walks up to this burning bush and the burning bush starts talking to him. And he's like, here I am. That was Moses' response. Here I am. This is where I'm at. This is where I'm at. And Samuel, remember when Samuel was with Eli and he kept going in and saying, what are you saying, Samuel and, and Eli? And Eli kept going, it's not me. Shut up and go back to bed. What are you talking about? And finally, he says, hey, that's the Lord speaking to you. Go back, and the next time you hear it, say, here I am. Here I am, Lord, speak. So there's this, this idea that we, we utter these words. Isaiah says it in Isaiah 6. Remember Ananias in the book of Acts? Whenever Paul is blinded, Saul is blinded, he's going to become Paul. And the Lord speaks to Ananias and says, Ananias. And Ananias says, here I am, Lord. Before the assignment comes... There's always this moment of saying, here I am. This is where I'm at. This is where I'm at. And many of us are waiting for an assignment, but I think something far more important that we must utter is this is where I'm at. This is where I'm at, Lord. Maybe I'm not where I need to be, and I need you to help me become what I'm supposed to become so that I can be all that you call me to be. Now, remember what happened in, in the, the, the book of Genesis when Adam and Eve at the very beginning in, in verse 8, it says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the tree of the garden. Watch what God asked them. But the Lord God called the man and said, Where are you? It wasn't a geographical question. He knew where Adam was. He said, Which tree are you behind? No. He's like, Adam, where are you at, man? Now, I want you to watch Adam's reply. Adam doesn't reply and say, I'm, I'm behind the third tree on the right. This is what Adam replies. He answered, I heard you in the garden, and this is where I'm at. I was afraid. I was afraid. That's where I'm at, God. I'm fearful. I was afraid, so I hid. I didn't know what else to do. He didn't say, I'm under the tree. I'm under the bush. I'm, I was afraid. This is, this is the idea of where you at. God is wanting to come to us this morning and ask us where we're at. And so we need to have the courage to do a self-analysis. I'm, I'm freaked out, God. I'm worried. I'm anxious. I have unforgiveness, God. That's what it is. I have unforgiveness. I'm harboring bitterness towards somebody. I, I, I'm sensing, I'm feeling rejected, God, in this earth. Um, Really, it's this idea of saying, here's my sin, God. This is where I'm at. This is where I'm at. And I'm convinced that God is far more interested in this than he is 
our circumstance or getting us where, he, where you want you to be. He's far more interested in getting our hearts where he wants it to be. And so God will always, this is a principle, God will always seek to deal with your spirituality before he deals with your physicality. Before he gives you your call, before he gives you your next assignment, he wants to make sure your heart is ready for that assignment. And so it involves this idea of saying, Lord, here I am. Why? Because God is way more interested in the eternal than he is the temporal. He's way more interested in eternity than he is your little circumstance in the next two weeks. So he wants to deal with our heart because that has to do with the eternal. So here's another principle. Write this down. We want to know if God is available for our circumstantial breakthrough. That's what we're obsessed with. God wants to know if you're available for his spiritual breakthrough. Okay, so be careful when you start your fast tomorrow, as you go, because most people, myself included, and the, I, think, I think it's scriptural, I don't think it's bad to do, most of us go into a fast saying, God, I need you to do this for me. Yeah. Yeah. God, I need breakthrough in my life, so I need you to do this for me. I would also challenge you to go into your fast saying, God, if there's something in me yeah. that needs breakthrough, yes. show me. Yes. Because you're physical breakthrough might be on the heels of your spiritual breakthrough. And God is withholding that breakthrough in your life because he has a much larger breakthrough that he needs to do in your heart to prepare you for the breakthrough to come. You understand what I'm saying? Can I get amen? Okay. Let's keep going. God will always move there first. Okay. Always move there first. He wants your heart. He wants your whole heart. So to answer the question, here I am, you must also answer this question. Number two, how am I? How am I? How am I doing? How am I doing on this thing called life? <laughs> What's, how, how am I feeling? How am I doing? How is this going through? And so the reason I think it's really important to talk about this is because this is one of the places that we're the most deceived. Okay? We're really good at telling other people where they're at. We're really bad at being honest with ourselves and saying this is where I'm at. So this is a quote. I found this quote, it's from an unknown author, which is weird. So I'm gonna like, well, I'll take that. So this is now John Chastain's quote, okay? Nobody else is claiming it, I'll claim it. It's a cool, it's a cool quote. It's not great grammar though, okay? It says, it ain't what you know that gets you into trouble, it's what you know that just ain't so. It's a good quote, isn't it? It's probably why nobody claimed it because it's bad grammar and they don't wanna be attributed to the word ain't. So I wanna talk about something that the devil, the, the devil is a deceiver, okay? That's what he does. Here's the tricky thing about deception. You don't know when you're being deceived because it's deceptive. <laughs> That's the definition of deceptive. You're like, well, I'm not being deceived. Well, how do you know? Because you're being deceived, right? So there's a lot, when we think about things like this, there's a lot of things that come up automatically. You know, forgiveness, am, am I harboring unforgiveness? Am I harboring shame? It, have I been rejected on this earth? If, have, I, have I become bitter? These are all great things, not great things. These are all things that God comes to deal with in our hearts. These are, the, these are the big ones, you know, your identity, your insecurities, all of those sort of things where you find your validation. Those are all really good. The one that I, that, that kind of popped up in my studying that I was just like, you talk about deceiving. And it began to read my mail. I'm like, well, if it's reading my mail, it's gonna read every other people's mail too. And so I want to talk to you about something that I really felt like the Holy Spirit was leading me to talk to in this realm. I want to talk to you about idols. You talk about deceiving. 
Because all through scripture, idols are presented as these things that are carved, you know? Well, and I'm just gonna, well, I don't whittle a whole lot, so I don't think I have any idols. I don't, I don't really whittle, I don't carve images. Because in, in Leviticus chapter 26, it kind of talks about it this way. It says, you shall not make idols for yourself or erect an image or a pillar. And you shall not set up a figure stone in your land to bow down to, for I am the Lord your God. And we're like, well, I don't do that, so cool. I'm not bowing down to any image. But I want to paint this picture of, of a different note. Because a lot of the idols, you know, we think of idols that we would bow down to. And even figuratively, we might, we, we might think of the big ones. You know, lust or or alcohol, or drug addiction, or they become idols, and things like that. And those are idols, I, I believe, but I want to go to a different one. Let me read you two, two quotes first about idols. What is an idol? Okay. Steve Cuss said this. He's a, he's a guy who wrote a great book called Managing Leadership Anxiety, and he said, you know something is an idol when you sacrifice time, power, or resources in order to get it. Now, if you really want to dig into the idol worship, uh, Tim Keller has done a lot of great writing on this. And one of his quotes is this. He says, an idol is something other than Jesus that we need in order to feel happy or complete. Anything you need every day that, that to make you feel happy or complete other than Jesus, it's an idol. An idol. There's nothing wrong. I don't know what you believe about certain things, but I don't know that it's necessarily a sin to have a glass of wine at night, but if you need it to be happy, well, I've had a long day. I just got to have a glass of wine. Guess what? It's an idol. It's an idol. And maybe that's not a temptation for you, but you got to do something else, or you got to have something else, or you got to say something else, or post something else. It, it can become an idol. And so I want to give you examples of sneaky idols, okay? Sneaky ones. Because the big ones are like, yeah, I don't do any of that. I want to show you sneaky ones, okay? Here's, here's some things that you may need to feel happy other than Jesus, okay? Number one, the need to be heard. And when you need to get heard, you need to be heard, and you're not feeling heard, you get louder. And your, your, your desire and craving to be heard is an idol because you need it. I know I'm going to step on toes. Okay, here we go. Uh, the need to be accepted. The need to be accepted as an idol. Okay? And this is one that I've actually discovered in myself. And I'll tell you, I'll be vulnerable with you. You know? I know you don't have any problems, but your pastor does. Okay? So, um, so this is one that I struggle with. It's this whole thing, like, i got to please people. i got to be everything to all people. And, um, you know, I was processing through this with a, with a, with a mentor and I was like, you know, I have difficulty not accepting uh, meetings with strangers or people in my church and, you know, people at the university. And he's like, well, why do you think that? Well, I was like, well, I don't want them to think I'm a bad person. I don't want them to think I'm snobby. And I, somebody asked to meet with me and I legitimately don't have time, but I don't know how to say no. He's like, well, why can't you say no? And I was like, well, I don't want them to go back to other people and say, did you hear about John? Yeah, that John's a jerk. I tried to meet with him and he wouldn't even meet with me. Can you believe that? And he said to me, that's an idol. Why? Because you need to be in control of that. You need to control the situation to be in control of what other people think about you in order for you to feel happy. It's an idol. Okay? Let me give you another one. The need to be right all the time. Okay? 
I see that post, and ooh, I want to respond. Ooh. <laughs> right? Okay, I'll keep going. The need to be understood. So you always have to have the last word. It's an idol. Anything you need that you could actually get from Jesus, that you have to get to be happy or feel complete as an idol. The need to be important. This is the person that you're talking to them about pizza, and somehow they start name-dropping all the people they know. Like, we were talking about pizza. What? Right? It's this, it's, this, it's this insecurity and this feeling that I have to feel needed, and I'll do whatever it takes to fill the void that I feel in my heart. Okay? The need to be noticed. Um, the need to be liked. You'll do whatever it takes to be liked by everybody else. You'll even pretend to be somebody you're not. You'll, you'll go with the crowd. I did this in high school. I knew better. I knew better than to do the stuff I did in high school, but I wanted to be liked. And kids, teenagers, college students, this is a really dangerous one for y'all. Because you want to be accepted, and so you'll follow the crowd in order to be liked and accepted. It's, it's I'm sorry, it's an idol. It's an idol. And these are sneaky. Tim Keller, Tim Keller in his writings about idols, he calls idols a dysfunctional savior. Isn't that good? That anything that we pursue other than Jesus to satisfy our desires and our needs is a dysfunctional savior. And idols are one of the most deceptive things that the enemy will use against us. It's something that comes to enslave your heart. And if your heart is enslaved to idols, God, God can never use you to the magnitude that he truly wants to use you. Because if he puts you at the next level, on the next platform of influence, on the next platform of success, that idol will become bigger. It's like, it's like plugging a guitar into an amplifier. It's like if you have a spat with your fiance, when you get married, it's not going to get better. It's actually going to be amplified. So God wants to purify our hearts first. And then God's like, now you're ready. Now you're ready. So what are our idols? And I encourage you and I challenge you to, to pursue this. Let me show you a passage of scripture. I don't have time to break this down. I like to give assignments sometimes. This is your assignment for the week, okay? I feel powerful and like a teacher, a professor. Do your homework, okay? So I want you to read this passage of scripture. I'm going to hit it real quick, but I want you to meditate on it because this is really powerful about idols. You're going to read Isaiah chapter 44. Write this down. Isaiah chapter 44, verses 6 through 20. 6 through 20. I want you to read it every day this week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, while you're fasting. Let this be something that you're saying, Lord, is there any idols in me? Okay? And let the Holy Spirit speak to you while you unpack this. So what, what, let me give you the, the basics. I feel like I could preach for like three hours today, but I'm not going to, I promise. So it's giving this picture of a carpenter that's carving an idol. But it's also saying that the same wood that he's carving the idol from, he's making a fire with. And the same fire that he's built with the same materials from the same idol is he's warmed himself by the fire. He's found comfort in the same materials that it took to build the, the, the idol. And he's cooked his meal over it. So he's cooked his meal over it, he's found warmth by it, and he's carved an idol all out of the same material. He's found comfort and nourishment with the idol. Okay. Now I want to pick up in verse 18. I want to read just part of it. 
And he's talking about these people who do such things, okay? They, being guys like this carpenter, they understand nothing and their eyes are plastered over so they can't see. What's that mean? They're deceived. They don't know they're doing it. They don't realize I have an idol. It took me really unpacking this and asking myself questions. Verse 19, no one stops to what? Think. Isn't that the key, really? Isn't that what I'm talking about today? Can we just stop and think about it? Where am I at? <laughs> How am I? I'm going to think about what I'm thinking about. I'm going to analyze my life. He says, no one has the knowledge or understanding to say, he's like, this is, this is how silly these people are. That's what the scripture is saying. Half of it I used for fuel, and half of it I baked over coals, and I roasted meat, and I ate. Shall I make a detestable thing from what is left? Shall I bow down to a block of wood? <laughs> Such a person feeds on ashes. A deluded heart misleads him. He cannot save himself or even say, is, this, is not this thing in my right hand a lie? Is not this idol a lie? So, like the carpenter in this story, God gives us gifts, okay? He gives us talents and gifts, and we use them to craft things where we find our identity in. This is one I have to guard myself in. I feel like God has given me a gift to preach, but it's not me. It's a gift. But if I'm not careful, I'll find my identity in it. And then it becomes an idol, right? So this is what, what's the saying. Then we turn around and we worship the thing that he created. Forgetting the source that which carved it. Seeking comfort and acceptance from the gift rather than the gift giver. And I just want to challenge you today with what are you good at? What are you gifted at? And have you found your identity in that or in the one who gave you that? Okay. And this is the slippery slope that many times we end up falling into. So if you have a need to be accepted, let's play this out as an example. If you have a, a, a need to be accepted, then you're afraid of what people think about you. Okay? So what we do is we find comfort and warmth from that idol. Oh, man, this is so quiet in here because this is a super convicting message. So we, if, I, if I have a craving to be accepted, I will do everything I can to impress you. And then when, you, when you're impressed by me, I find comfort in that. Ooh, that feels good. It feels good when people tell me my sermon was good. That feels so good. It feels so good. And then I'll start cooking meals over it. And I'll start nourishing myself. Oh, I'm such a good speaker. I'm such a big deal. Man, I find such nourishment in that. Guess what? I have an idol. It's idol worship. Did you know that you can actually be using a gift that God gave you and you're deceived by it? And the enemy is, you're actually playing for the wrong team with God's gift. Verse 20 says this, such a person feeds on ashes. You're feeding on ashes. You think it's nourishing. It's actually going to kill you. It's ashes. You're feeding on the wrong thing. So I just want to ask you where you're at. I could be really cute. 
I could have came up in here and say, 2020 is going to be the blessed year of your life. You're going to be blessed with coming in and blessed going out. And it's going to be the greatest year of your life. And I'm going to find anything that rhymes with one. And I'm going to say, 2021, you're going to be a, I don't know, I'm not good at rhyming. But I could have, I could have come at you like that. And I would love to, because I would really like to have a happy church. But you know, I love you too much. I love you too much to tickle your ears. Um, <laughs> I think that I want my cry for 2021 to not be bless me. I want it to be send me. Send me. I'm done chasing blessing. I don't mind blessing and I appreciate it, but I'm not going to chase it. I want to be used. I want to be available. I want, I want to advance the kingdom. And God wants to ask us today, where you at? Where you at? How you doing? So once we have this self-analysis, I want, to, I want to walk us through that. Where am I and how am I? But last and most importantly is this. How will I? And how am I going to get there? How am I going to get to this point? I agree with you, John. I love all that. I want to get to this point. But how do I do it? Like, how, how, how do I do that? How will I do this? I want to overcome. Three quick steps, okay? And we'll get out of here. Three quick steps for the how, okay? Point number one, while you're fasting for the next 21 days, number one, ask the Holy Spirit about you. Don't ask the Holy Spirit about what you, you want him to do for you. Ask the Holy Spirit about you. The Holy Spirit will tell you. <laughs> He'll let you know. He'll let you know where you need to work on you. In fact, John chapter 16, verse 7, when Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit, this is the way he described him. He said, it's best for you that I go away because if I don't go, the advocate won't come. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he's going to bless you. He will convict now, don't get all panicky about the word convict. It's not an evil word. I preached a sermon on this. Conviction is actually a blessing. Conviction is an amazing thing because conviction leads to repentance. And repentance learns to, leads to righteousness and salvation. And by the way, eternity in heaven, hello, that's great. It's a good thing. So if you'll ask the Holy Spirit about you, he will talk to you. And so ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. If you find yourself going down the same pattern every time and bad things happen to you, and you ever, if you ever say this thing, every time we turn around, something bad's happening to us. I don't think God does bad things. I don't think God does bad things to people. But sometimes I think God allows things to happen to get your attention. Okay? And if you don't believe me, ask Job. Well, let me, let me show you real quick. i got to hurry. Job 1, verse 9. It says... It says, the devil and God having a conversation. How crazy is this? This is crazy. The devil and God are like chatting it up, FaceTiming each other. The devil says, does Job fear God for nothing? And Satan replied, and have you not put him a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and his herds are spread throughout the land. But now stretch out your hand. The devil's telling God to stretch out his hand and strike everything he has and he will surely curse your, face, curse your face. Now, I want you to watch what the Lord said. God doesn't say, okay, I'll strike him. This is what the, the Lord says to Satan very well. Everything he has is in your power. God doesn't say, I'm going to do bad stuff against Job. 
Because God doesn't work like that. God is not, I don't think God works like that. He doesn't cause bad things to happen to you. But if you ask Job, Job will be like, God was trying to get my attention. And maybe that some of the circumstances that we face on this earth is God just coming up and saying, I need your heart. I need your heart. I need your affection. And the enemy is at work right now drawing up a plan for your marriage. Do you have a plan for your marriage? The enemy is at work right now drawing up a plan for your finances, for your kids, for, for your identity, for your insecurities, for your idols. He's got a plan, and we have to have our own plan. And sometimes this plan happens during a time of prayer and fasting. In Mark 9, 28, it says, And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? In verse 29, he said to them, This kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. You're about to enter 21 days of fasting. This is one of the greatest weapons you have as a believer. Fast. Yes, fast for the Lord to break through in your circumstances, but fast for the Holy Spirit to break through in you. The second thing is this. Ask the Holy Spirit about you. Number two, ask you about you. Ask you. Ask yourself. Do you know who the easiest person to deceive on the planet is? Everybody else. Right? It's also really hard to be honest with yourself. It's hard to be honest with ourselves. Galatians 6, 4 says, Let everyone be devoted to fulfill the work God has given them, to do with excellence, and their joy will be in doing what's right and being themselves and not in being affirmed by others. Verse 5, every believer is ultimately responsible for his or her own conscience. I better ask myself about myself because I'm responsible for me. Romans chapter 14, verse 12 says, so then each of us will give an account of himself to God or herself. Like, you're going to have to give an account for yourself. It's not your job to give an account for politicians and governments and friends and crazy people on social media. We like giving accounts for everybody else. The Bible says that we're going to have to give an account for ourselves. Paul is very adamant in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. He says, examine yourself. Examine yourself. And last but, last, last but not least, number three, after you ask the Holy Spirit and after you ask yourself, if you still need help, ask others about you. <laughs> if you don't know your own weaknesses, do you know who, everybody, who does? Everybody else. And they probably shouldn't, but they probably get together and be like, man, can you believe this guy? You know? Have honest conversations with mentors. Psalm 139.1 says, Oh, Lord, you have, you have a, I'm sorry, I skipped one. Proverbs 24.6 says, by, For by wise guidance, you can wage your war. And in abundance of counselors, there's victory. If you don't know how to be a better parent, if you don't know how you're weak as a parent, guess who does? Your kids. <laughs> if you don't know how to be a better spouse, your, your, your spouse could probably give some suggestions, you know. Ask somebody. Ask a trusted friend. Ask a godly mentor about you. What, what are weaknesses that you see in me? I have people that will say, John, that's not the right way to talk. That's not the right way to think. That's not the right way to act. People, I've given people permission to call me out. Who has permission in your life to say, hey, stop it. Stop it. Be accountable to other people. It's, it's the difference between your resume and the real you, right? Like we interview people sometimes, I get a resume, I'm like, yeah, I wanna know the real guy, I'm gonna go to your Facebook page. 
because your Facebook page will tell me how you behave, where you go, who you talk to, what you rant about. Your resume is all polished. Don't give God your resume. God's like, I know who you are. I know who you are. God wants to deal with, with the real us. Here's the good news today. Um, where you currently are at does not determine where you can ultimately go. This is the good news because the truth is none of us are where we should be. I'm not where I should be because I got, I believe God wants to use me for more and greater and bigger things for the kingdom, but I'm not there yet. So that means there's something in me that I got to work on. There's something else. There's something else that God wants to carve out of me and, and, and work through me. And you can make yourself available for God's work just as you are. That's the cool thing. You don't have to wait and get all polished up. You can say, God, I'm available. This is where I'm at. This is where I'm at. God, use me. This is the amount of money I got, God. This is where I'm at. This is the amount of influence I got, Lord. This is where I'm at. This is, this is the number of brain cells I got, God. Sorry, I wish I had more, but this is where I'm at, <laughs> you know? It's like wherever you're at, God's like, I got you. Come on, I, I want to use you for my kingdom. And I love this because Jesus did this for us, you know? Mark chapter 10, verse 45 says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Jesus came to this earth to be available to you. Jesus is like, I'm available to you. Our only response is, Jesus, I'm available to you. Michelle um, had this, Michelle has these visions. Man, I wish I could, I wish God spoke to me this way. Um, maybe someday he will. Michelle gets these beautiful visions that are like so moving and they're, not a word is spoken. It's a vision that speaks a billion words to our family, to our marriage, all these times. And she tells this story one time of how she, she got this vision whew, of Jesus laid out. You know, you've seen the passion of the Christ. You've seen the stories. They didn't put Jesus up on the cross and then nail him. They nailed him while he was laying down, right? And so he's laying um, on the cross, you know, laid, laid down. And it's, Michelle's vision is like she's laying next to him. And she looks over at him, laying next to her. And he looks over at her like this. And he doesn't say a word. And then between the two of them is his, and he, she can see the Roman soldier crushing the nail through his hand. And he just looks at her with affection. And it's like Jesus was looking at her saying, this is where I'm at. This is where I'm at. I'm here for you. I'm available for you. And, and so I don't know where you're at today. I don't know if you're broken or mad or angry or bitter or frustrated or depressed or suicidal. Um, but there's greatness in just saying, this is where I'm at. This is where I'm at. And the beauty of Jesus is he's like, well, this is where I'm at. I gave my life for you. My whole life on this earth was for you to be redeemed and restored and healed and touched. And so at OKC, Edmund, if you could stand to your feet with me for just a second, I want to give just a moment. I want to give some space for us to respond to this. We may go just a little bit late, okay? I want to say that up front. We usually get out about 10.15, 10.20. It's 10.08 right now. I'm just being honest. If you got to go, 
cool. No big deal, okay? But I want to give just some space here um, for us to respond to this. So we're going to go back into the song for just a few moments. And the words of the song, it's a new song, so I know you don't know it really well yet. We'll, we'll do it again tonight. If you really want to enter into the presence of God, come back tonight at 530, because this is going to be a good night, okay? But the words of this song say, here I am, Lord. Here I am. I'm available. And if you need to start off 2021 by just saying, here I am, Lord. I don't have it all put together yet. I want you to send me, and we're going to talk about that next week, and he's going to send you somewhere. But today we got to get our hearts right. Today we got to lay ourselves on the altar and say, God, here I am. What do you want to do in me? And so here's what I'm going to do. Edmund OKC, I'm going to pray. While I'm praying, if, if there's something in you that needs to respond to this, that you don't want to just stay in your seat, I'm going to open up these altars. Nothing weird's going to happen if you're not familiar with altars and stuff. Nothing weird's going to happen. If you're at a place where you're like, I need to respond to the words of this, and I need to do a physical action in this. I want to walk to the altars. It's almost like I'm screaming out to God in my walking saying, here I am. I'm right here. I'm right here. And we're going to go into the song and worship for just a moment. So if that's you and you want to come to the altar, we're just going to sing the song. I'm going to come back up here, pray a prayer. We'll get out of here. All right. So I'm going to pray while I'm praying. Just come. Don't wait. Just come to the altar. Okay. We're going to go into the song. Father, we thank you we thank you, we thank you for thank you for what you have done, God. What we want to do in 2021, what we are crying out, what we are saying is, here I am, Lord. Send me. I'm available. I'm tired of making myself available to the things of this world and allowing the world to rule and reign my heart and my mind. 2021 is going to be me saying, God, I'm available to you. Use me the way that you would want to use me. Here I am, Lord. Here I am. Here I am. Here I am. Here I am. Thank you, Jesus. Heal hearts today, God. Heal insecurities. Heal minds. Heal mental health, Father, today as we kneel, God, as we cry out to you to be sent. Here we are, Lord. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us here today for this week's message. And here at Victory Church, we are called to equip people to live in His presence, move beyond ourselves, and be transformed. And this can only happen through your radical generosity, your serving, and your prayers. If this message or any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us by giving into this ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at victory.church/give. Thank you again for joining us and have a great day.